This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'd like to welcome y'all to the Destination Devi Podcast, hosted by Ray Garvin, your number one source for everything Devi and Dynasty Fantasy Football. Right, welcome to episode three of the Destination Devi Podcast. You heard it in the intro. I'm Ray Garvin, your host. You can find me on Twitter at RayGQ. Big shout out to Jordan Richards at your boy J Rich. That's at C H A Boy J Rich for the introduction to this podcast. Really appreciate him for hooking that up for me. But boy, oh boy, did some news break today in the NFL regarding Tyreek Hill, the star wide receiver of the Kansas City Chiefs. According to Laura Bauer and Brooke Pryor of the Kansas City Star, the probe into Tyreek Hill's child abuse allegations is no longer active. Uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, legally, I mean, he is in the clear. Unless there's new evidence that comes to light, Tyreek Hill will not be charged with a crime. Right after that surface, it's being reported that barring any further developments, the Kansas City Chiefs believe have every reason to believe that Hill will be back with the with the team before the start of next month's training camp. So essentially, what does that mean for dynasty purposes? The buy low window for Tyreek Hill is slammed shut. I do not think this is over by any stretch. Just because the legal side has been essentially closed, the NFL still has uh, authority to take some sort of action, some disciplinary action, and we've seen that before. But I, I, I don't believe that any punishment with that, that the NFL hands it down on Tyreek Hill will be substantial enough to just completely ruin his dynasty value. He's a young player. He is one of the he is the most dynamic athlete in the NFL from the wide receiver position, at least. And it's no denying when he's on the field. I mean, he can give you a 40, 50 plus 50 point week and in, in, in win you games. And the NFL has already shown us their precedent, unless there's video evidence. Uh, I just don't see them handing down, you know, a year-long suspension. I believe he'll get however many games he's he's issued, if any. He'll appeal. It may be reduced. And we will see Tyreek Hill on the field sooner rather than later. And that is good news for Patrick Holmes, for uh, Travis Kelsey, you know, even though he was in line to see probably an increased target share, this opens things up for him. It helps out Damian Williams. The person that it hurts is McCole Hardman, you know, and I banged on the table for Hardman all spring. I thought that he would be somebody who could step into that role 
and produced decent numbers as a rookie, nowhere near what an all-pro wide receiver would do, but I did believe that he would have every opportunity to be the deep play threat for the Chiefs. But it looks like that's going to be on hold, and I'm very interested to see what Kansas City does with Hardman and Hill moving forward because they did invest high draft capital in in McColl. So this is, you know, I'm not going to talk about how I feel personally about the situation, being a father of uh, of two boys, I'm not going to get into the moral, uh, my moral feelings on this, but I am interested to see all of the people who said never Tyreek Hill, how this changes their viewpoint on him, because this is a game of a game, and Tyreek Hill is one of the best players in fantasy football, but, you know... We'll see how this all plays out here uh, over the next couple of months because I don't believe this situation is over with. This is a Debbie podcast, and you will get information on prospects, on Debbie strategies, on tips, and all that other good stuff. But I'm going to keep it real with you guys. And one of the things that I've seen, a couple of conversations, and I've got a league mate of mine who posed a question to me the other day about Debbie picks during a startup draft. Now, I, for one, am not a proponent of using high startup capital on Debbie picks. There are some that do. We all have those league mates who are just have rookie fever. They're just whores for rookie picks, and they're taking guys two years out in a startup draft. I will not do that. Um, personally, I, I probably wouldn't I'm not selecting any Devi prospects in rounds one through four of a startup draft. And a package that I was sent the other day to get sort of my opinion on it was somebody was offered a startup second for a 2020 first and a second and a 2021 first and a second. And in that situation, I'm taking the startup second. I want the proven player. I want that in, in majority of the leagues that I play in are super flex. I want that first or second quarterback. I, I want Juju Smith. I want Joe Mixon. I want Mike Evans. I'm not risking my fantasy, my dynasty roster on Rondell Moore. Um, as much as I love him in a startup, I'm not taking Rondell Moore in the first four rounds of a startup draft. And I, I think that as dynasty owners and, and people who participate in Debbie leagues, you have to be realistic with these players in these situations. and. There are so many things that can happen between now and 2021 that it's just not worth the the reward is not worth the risk, in my opinion. Now, if you're one of the guys who just wants to build their roster on youth and rookies and you don't mind losing for a couple of seasons and you want to take that risk, then by all means, go for it. But I am in constant win, win now mode and I will not do it. In that case, give me the second round startup pick. I I want the proven commodity opposed to uh, a risky Debbie pick, especially that far out. And I think that there are two ways that I I find most beneficial that I use Debbie knowledge in startup drafts or Debbie knowledge during my fantasy football season. Number one is, is for trading purposes. We all know, and we're going to continue to hear it at nauseum, that the 2020 draft class is stacked at the wide receiver and running back position. 
Right now, if there are still rookie drafts taking place, there's the, the enthusiasm for 2020 is so high. And before it hits a lull during the season, which it will, now might be the time to strike on some deals related to those picks. Because the class is so deep, there will be players drafted in round two of the 2020 rookie drafts that could easily be first rounders in 2019. And because of that, and the desire to win, you know, year after year, selling a 2020 first might not be a bad option. Now, hear me out. You're probably thinking, what the hell did he just tell me to do to sell 2021 first? 2020 first? I'm trying to acquire those picks. Well, if you sold your 2021, 2020 first round pick right now, and you can acquire proven NFL talent with either diminished name value or somebody who's a little fearful, say Julio Jones. He's getting older. You know, I, I don't want to have him on my roster when decline hits, which will probably not be for the next couple of years. But I'll give you a 2022nd and Julio Jones for your first, if you can get something like that. Or let's just say a, a, a package of Tyler Boyd and Austin Hooper in the second for 2021 first, uh, 2021st. I'm doing that all day. If I can get Keenan Allen in a second for a 2021st, I, I'm taking that deal all day, every day. And, and I am trying to acquire as many 2020 seconds as I possibly can because there will be players in that range. I just participated in a, a Debbie mock draft for June. And in the second round, I mean, Jalen Rager went in the second. Chuba Hubbard, I picked him up in the second round of that draft. Uh, players like Brian Edwards may fall to the second. I, I would much rather have two or potentially three of those guys opposed to risking everything on LaVisca Chenault early in the first and have a proven uh, NFL veteran to go along with that. So while it may sound crazy, if you have somebody who is just has a you know, a hard one for 2021st right now and will give up the farm, do it, sell them. I was in my home dynasty league. Someone traded a 2021st for a 2019 third just because they wanted to pick. No BS. And I could not believe it. You know, just the willingness to, to move those picks because not everybody pays attention and not everybody knows particularly how deep this class is going to be. You hear it, but you really don't, uh, unless you're diving into it, you, you, really, you really can't fathom just how much talent is going to be in the second round. Now, another way that I use Debbie knowledge, and you should too, is, is knowing about the players, right? So right now, if you ask the average person on Twitter, who's the top prospect in the class? You'll hear Jerry Judy, DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne. But if you ask him to name somebody after name 11 players or give me a couple after the top 10, you probably met with a brief pause followed by Google searches to come up with names further than that. And while I personally believe that Jerry Judy is the top wide receiver prospect in this class at this moment, knowing how deep the position is related to uh, other positions offers extreme value. If you had the one-on-one in the 2020 draft, if you know, that pick, if your team stinks or the team that you acquired that pick from stinks and there's a good chance that that would be the 101 in the 2020 draft, would you rather have Jerry Judy and let's say Eno Benjamin or DeAndre Swift and Jalen Rager? You're getting a running back and a wide receiver in each situation. But to me, 
the Swift Jalen Rager side, um, I'd be a little happier uh, with that opposed to Judy and Benjamin, even though I love all four. But these are decisions that you as dynasty owners will have to make come the draft next year. And having this knowledge about exactly how deep the running back class is, how deep the wide receiver class is, will allow you to potentially move back a couple of spots, pick up some extra assets. And, you know, while you can do it early before those picks become unacquirable. So, you know, trading purposes and player knowledge, knowing exactly how deep these classes are, are my two favorite ways to use the Devin knowledge that I acquired. Now, my preferred fantasy football format is Superflex. I love the strategy. I love the team roster constructions that the Superflex format offers. And when we're looking ahead at 2020, so often I've seen analysts and Twitter focus on the skill position players, and in particular, the running back and the wide receiver positions. I don't see many people focusing or taking a deep dive into the quarterback position. And I think we should because of the age of the current NFL quarterbacks and the inevitable decline that some will face. Right now, Ben Roethlisberger is 36 years old. Aaron Rodgers in December will be 36 years old. Elon Manning is 37. I know they drafted Daniel Jones. Tom Brady, 41. Derek Carr, what, what is his situation going to look like in Oakland after this season? Uh, Drew Brees, 40 years old, going on 40 years old. Uh, th- there are Joe Flacco, 33, going on 34. These guys, as much as we want to believe that they will and they can play forever, they won't. And we need to be looking ahead at who from this 2020 class, if you have one of those aging quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers, you know, 37 years old on your roster, who are the potential replacements from this upcoming class outside of the big T to a tongue of Iloa, right? We, we've all heard about him and he is a fantastic quarterback prospect but outside of him what else does that what else does the 2020 class offer in terms of potential quarterback prospects or future NFL starters at the quarterback position now I am not going to rank these quarterbacks yes two is number one I'll rank him number one but now I'm not going to rank these quarterbacks I just I'm going to lump them together alphabetically uh, because I, I don't typically like to rank this early. Um, So let's just look at a group of quarterbacks who are eligible in 2020, who I believe will come out, who have the potential to make some sort of noise at the next level at the quarterback position. And first up is KJ Costello, quarterback from Stanford, six foot five, 217 pounds. He was a former four-star recruit, number 47 overall prospect, number three pro-style quarterback in the 2016 class. He is a pure pocket passer. Stanford operates and runs a pro-style offense. He's not very mobile, right? But he has a very big arm and he has some pretty good accuracy. I think that he had a lot to do with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside's success in the red zone last year. He threw for 29 touchdowns. Um, only 11 interceptions, and he threw for over 3,500 yards, which is second most in Stanford school history. So he is a talented quarterback prospect that this season, with the loss of Arcega Whiteside and Bryce Love in the backfield, more responsibility will be put on his shoulders, and he has a chance to really improve 
his draft stock going into 2020. Now, Jacob Eason, the quarterback from the Washington Huskies, is a very interesting prospect. Coming out of high school, he was a five-star recruit. He was the number five overall player and number two pro-style quarterback prospect in the 2016 class. Six foot six, 230 pounds. He started his career at Georgia, and his freshman season, he threw for 2,430 yards with 16 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Eason transferred to Washington, so he had to sit out this past season. He gave way to Jake Fromm in that Georgia offense, but Eason has elite size. He is a talented thrower of the football. He wasn't he wasn't ranked number five overall in his class for nothing. So this season is going to be incredibly important for his draft stock moving forward. And if he can put together a good season out there in Washington, don't be surprised if we hear Easton's name called. You know, he's got first round potential. Now, Jake Fromm, who replaced Jacob Eason, he has been just steady throughout his career at Georgia. Coming out of high school, he's the number three rated pro style quarterback, number 44 rated overall player. Uh, Fromm is a little smaller. He's 6'2", 220 pounds, but he has been incredibly accurate his first two years at Georgia and pretty good decision making. Completed 67.4% of his passes in 2018, threw for 2,761 yards with 30 TDs and only six interceptions. He is a pure pocket passer, good decision maker. He's got a he's got decent athleticism. He can move around a little bit. But Jake Fromm, uh, this year, with the loss of McCall Hardman, there are some other receivers that they have that should step up this year. He still has DeAndre Swift and Zamir White in the backfield to take you know, pressure off of the passing game. Jake Fromm is somebody who super flex uh, players in in particular uh, should be aware of going into that 2020 draft because he is eligible to come out. Now let's talk about Justin Herbert. Herbert coming out of high school was a three-star prospect in 2016. He was the number 26 overall pro style quarterback. So he, he was not is highly touted as some of these other potential 2020 quarterbacks. A lot of people thought that Herbert, if he had declared last year, would have been the number one overall pick, especially from the quarterback position. I mean, that's what he was built up to be going into the 2018 college football season. But he did not, uh, he he had an up and down season to put it, to put it lightly. Now, he has prototypical size at six foot six, 230 pounds. He's got a cannon of an arm. He can throw the ball in tight windows. He's got great mobility. Um, Last season, he threw for 3,151 yards, 29 touchdowns, and only eight interceptions. But his completion percentage over the past couple of years, it it really took a dip in 2018. 2016, he completed 63.5% of his passes. 2017, 67.5% of his passes. Now, last year, uh, 54.4% of his passes. I. There was reports that Herbert wanted to come back to school in order to play with his brother this season. I'm not buying that. I think that he got some really good advice that said, you need to go back to school. And I'm still concerned about Oregon quarterbacks translating from that offense to the NFL. I I thought Marcus Mariota would make it happen. And so far to this point, just like we said, Herbert had an up and down season that sort of been Marcus Mariota's career, but he's got a great opportunity this season uh, to really help his draft stock and and potentially be 
the second quarterback off of the board when when draft season starts up next year. Now, a name that many people may not know about is Nate Stanley, quarterback from Iowa, six foot four, two hundred and forty pounder, coming out of high school, is a three star recruit, number twenty two ranked pro style quarterback. So, of the twenty sixteen class, even higher. So he was even higher than Justin Herbert. Last season, he threw for 2,852 yards with 26 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, and he completed 59.3% of his passes. <sighs> he's got the size. Watching the film, he's got great arm strength and the ability to move all right in the pocket. He's got decent, mobi- decent mobility. And the offensive skill position players last season, outside of Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, left a lot to be desired. But with his size, with his talent, and the opportunity that he's going to have this season to really sort of make it happen, he's got a good chance to improve on his his draft stock. And there are some people within the industry, big name guys at you know some top networks that thought if Nate Stanley would have come out this season, he probably would have been a late late first, early second round pick. So he is somebody that I'm going to have my eye on as a super flex lover, uh, Nate Stanley out of Iowa. Last but not least, the best of the best. He's number one. I'll go ahead and rank him. I talked all that crap about not having rankings, but what's the point of like beating around this bush? Tua Tunga by Lola, Alabama. He's a bit shorter than everybody on this list. He's only listed at 6'1", 218 pounds, but he's put together really, really, really well. He's thick, so I'm I'm not concerned with his size like I was, you know, when he was entering into college. But boy, oh boy, Tua I mean, what more do you want from a quarterback? He's accurate. He's mobile. He he processes situations quickly. He he's not a mistake prone quarterback. Last year he threw for almost four thousand yards. Threw for three thousand nine hundred sixty six yards with forty three touchdowns and only six picks. And what makes this even more outstanding is there were times last season where he didn't even play in the second half. I mean. And if he did, he was handing the ball off. He could have easily thrown for 4,500 yards last year. And with the offensive skill position players that they have coming back at the wide receiver position alone, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, I don't know what Tua will do next season. And again, it, it may be the same situation where he just does not play that much in the second halves. He's a lock to go. It, number one, he should be the first player taken on the, off the board in the 2020 NFL draft. And if you are in a super flex league, he's your one-on-one right now. I think the NFL, his skill set fits exactly what NFL offensive coordinators want to build around. Quick processing, mobility, uh, the arm talent, decision-making, the leadership. He is going to be, I, I think he is going to be a very, very good quarterback at the next level. And for Superflex purposes, he is the 101 in Superflex drafts next year, 2020. Tua, enough said. Now, over the past couple of days, I had the opportunity to participate in the June Debbie 10-round mock draft hosted by Greg Prant at Debbie Warehouse. The results of that draft, I retweeted them there. You can find them on my uh, Twitter at RayGQ. But the results, they just they get me so excited. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about 
what I'm seeing in these Debbie mock drafts. And, you know, really, you're going to hear it a thousand times from me. The 2020 class is deep. It is extremely deep. And of those 24 players drafted in rounds one and two in this mock, only five of them are not eligible for the upcoming draft. Those five are Seth Williams, Amin Ross St. Brown, Trevor Lawrence, Rondell Moore, and Justin Ross. Everyone else is coming. And if I had a, a, a top pick in the 2020 class or what looked like it was going to be a top pick, I'd have no problem moving the hell back or getting out of the first round and collecting multiple seconds, proven NFL players right now because of what I'm seeing in, in these mock drafts. I use tier-based approach when I draft, all right? I think that's the better way to structure who you may value when your turn to draft comes up. When I'm looking at these tiers of running backs and wide receivers, I do believe that Travis Etienne and DeAndre Swift are tier one running backs. I think those two are the head of this class right now. And there's some room for some other people to enter into that category. But right after that, Cam Akers, Eno Benjamin, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, Chuba Hubbard, they're all right there in that next cluster for me. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for some of those players, Eno Benjamin, Chuba Hubbard, um, specifically to elevate themselves into that tier one category. Hubbard is a personal favorite of mine at six foot one, 210 pounds. He truly possesses three down capability, uh, running between the tackles, hitting the edge, the speed. He's got elite level track speed, and he's shown a receiving acumen as a redshirt freshman at Oklahoma State. I would be fine having one of those running backs as as you know the first running back that I that I took off the board. It's fine with me. Jerry Judy, yes, right now he is my number one. Uh, wide receiver prospect, but the difference between Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, CeeDee Lamb, Tyler Johnson, it is not, <laughs> LaVisca Chenault, it is not a wide gap between any of those wide receivers. And consistently in these Devi mocks, Rager, T. Higgins, you know, sometimes CeeDee Lamb, they're falling to the second. Henry Ruggs, Tylen Wallace, he was drafted 21st overall in this in this exercise. I would be just fine with one of those guys. You guys need to pay attention to these trends. I said it in episode one, the more information you know about these players, and I said at the beginning of this episode, the more knowledge you have of who will potentially be available later on in your rookie drafts next year, the better equipped you can be to strategically make moves throughout your season to position your team for long and short-term success. You have to do it. You have to do it while during the middle of the season, everyone's vying for playoff spots and and, and trying to win their championship. You need to be doing that as well, but you need to be throwing in, you know, this and that to try to acquire a 2022nd. Like make those moves now while it is not at the forefront of dynasty owners' minds. Get those picks now and I promise you they will pay off. Now for some rapid-fire Devi news and notes. I'm really excited about the potential for true freshman Zach Charbonnet, who will have an opportunity to carve out a role for the Wolverines this year with Chris Evans being suspended due to academic issues. Charbonnet is a fantastic running back prospect. I'm really excited about him. A blend of size, power, speed, 
I think he will fit well with what Jim Harbaugh likes to do at Michigan. Uh, they still have Christian Turner and True, True Wilson, but I think it's only a matter of time before Charbonnet gets that opportunity to, to run with that role. Now, some really good news out of Oxford, Mississippi, that Rebel fans are probably ecstatic about is Jerrion Ely, the five-star running back prospect, will be at Ole Miss. He will be playing football. Ely is a very, very, very talented Major League Baseball prospect, but he was not drafted high enough to really give them to give him the incentive to leave and not play football. So he will be one of the most exciting incoming freshmen in the country. But this is a story to watch. So for Debbie purposes, you have to take that to consideration when you're thinking about uh, investing high draft capital in Ely, you know, that potential for him to quit football and go play baseball at any given time. FAU, Florida Atlantic, has received a verbal commitment from three-star running back prospect Frank Gore Jr. That's right, Frank Gore Jr., the same Frank Gore who is still toting the rock in the NFL, may have an opportunity to play with his son, which just blows my mind. Lane Kiffin does not surprise me. Uh, Frank Gore Jr., uh, fine running back, uh, shouldn't be on Debbie radars, but pretty cool story that, that he will, at this point in time, uh, be taking his talents to Florida Atlantic. Some pretty neat news broke last week about some of the fastest players in college football, and two of them are top Debbie prospects and top wide receiver prospects in the 2020 class, Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager. Uh, it's been reported that Henry Ruggs is probably the fourth fastest player in college football. He ran a 4-2-5 40-yard dash at Alabama's Junior Pro Day. He's going to be really good in that Alabama Crimson Tide offense with two of this year. He averaged 16.1 yards per reception, and you know, with a lot of attention going to be focused on Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs has a, an outstanding chance to propel himself into the late first, early second round consideration for next year's NFL draft. And Jalen Rager, a TCU All-World wide receiver, was voted uh, rated the ninth fastest player in college football as he recorded a hand time of a 4.32 yard, 40 yard dash in the offseason. And again, he'll be one of the fastest wide receivers at the combine. I believe he comes out in 2020, but he is a weapon, um, you know, 72 receptions, almost 1,100 yards and nine TDs as a true sophomore. He's only going to get better. Jalen Rager, fast-ass wide receiver out of TCU. Now, a situation to monitor that's that's really key for Debbie and Dynasty purposes moving forward is what's going on at the quarterback position at Ohio State. Spring game, Justin Fields, the transfer from Georgia, who everybody was really excited about coming out of high school. He, he's got talented, he, he's got tremendous upside. He's a talented, talented quarterback, but you got to be able to throw the ball with accuracy. And he really struggled with that at the spring game. It's now being reported that uh, the junior quarterback, Gunnar Hoke, has been getting some first team reps. I'd be shocked if Ohio State didn't open the season with Justin Fields as the the starting quarterback, but it's definitely a situation to monitor if Fields doesn't get the job done early. You know, Ryan Day has every incentive and every reason to to go ahead and throw Gunner in there and see what he can do. So please monitor that situation moving forward. Again, I think Justin Fields will be the guy, but you just never know what happens. And, and these college coaches have. No shame in pulling the plug quick on a quarterback, even if it's just for a game. Uh, you don't know how that's going to shake or rattle uh, Justin, Field, Justin Fields' confidence moving forward. That's going to do it for Episode 3 of the Destination Debbie Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. 
We are now on iTunes, so please subscribe to the podcast. Leave me a five-star review. I will be doing a jersey giveaway here in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for that information. Follow the show at Destination Devi on Twitter. You can find me at Rage GQ. Until next time, peace. <laughs>